0: 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles just under the seat in front of you, somewhere around there. If you don't actually own a Bible, take one of those. Steal it. We won't call the police. It's your it's your gift from us. Uh, I think it will also be on the screen. We are going to uh, start chapter 4, verse 9. Chapter 4, verse 9. Paul's final words to Timothy, but also his final written words that we have recorded. This is the end For Paul, listen to his words, Timothy, verse nine, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, he has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me now. Pick up, if you will, Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have I've sent to Ephesus. And when you come, bring, bring the cloak, which I left at Troas, with, with Carpus, and the books, and especially the parchments. Now Alexander the coppersmith, he, he did me much harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he is vigorously opposed to our teaching. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla. And Aquila, in the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus, I left him sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren greet you. The Lord be with your spirit, Timothy. Grace be with you. My plan for this morning was to... Uh, well, initially, initially my plan was to uh, focus in on some of these people, focus in on some of these relationships. Maybe take the first two and tell you why they were important to Paul. Maybe take the next two the next week and tell you why they why they uh, were disappointing to Paul. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe we just need to look at the whole group and maybe there'll, maybe there'll be a way and, and maybe it'll take a little long. But maybe there's a way that I can, I can run through this whole litany of people that the Apostle Paul mentions here in his last writing. Maybe there's a way that we can, we can in 30 minutes find our way, track our way through there and, and tell you why each one of these people had a special or a painful place in the Apostle Paul's heart. Um, that was the plan for this morning to try and attempt to do that. Uh, I didn't even print those notes. Didn't even, didn't even print them this morning. Uh, sometimes, and if you've been around a while, you, you know that uh, we track through in great detail. We've been in 2 Timothy, as my wife has reminded me, for like four years now. And uh, she said, I, I just think maybe people are ready to move on you know, the preacher in me, but it's the word of God. What does it matter? We're in the word of God. We're going to be in the word of God next time. So we might as well stay in second Timothy and spend a week on every person in this last little bit. We're not going to do that. I'm not even going to attempt to try and give you great specifics about them this morning. I would love uh, and I, and I haven't—I'll be honest—I haven't decided if I—if I still might come back. This might not be the end of Second Timothy. I may have to come back because I want to tell you about the cloak. I want to tell you what the parchments are. I want to tell you—I want to tell you about Alexander. Uh, you got to know who—Who who is, if you don't know, and why it says the household of Onesiphorus and not Onesiphorus himself. Um, it's a great story. It's a great story. But you also know that from time to time, I I restrain myself from going into these great details. And uh, I realize usually by the grace of God that there is there is a forest to see and not just the individual trees. And so the prompting this morning for me is not to spend a great amount of time on the details, but to just see just see this thing that is, I think, there if you just step far enough back. And it's really not a thing. It's people. It's people. There is a whole list of people here. Here in the last written words of the Apostle Paul. That says something about what's important to the Apostle Paul. In debating, there are a couple different uh, ways that you could focus your argument. You can argue from what they call... Primacy or you could argue from what they call recency. And so if someone makes an argument against your case and they, they stand on the premise of uh, arguing from a place of primacy, what that means is that in the debate, the first thing that they say is the most important thing that they say. And sometimes that's often true. You start with the most important thing. You start with the arrowhead. But there's also on the other end of the spectrum what they call arguing from recency. And so it's not just the first thing that you say is the most important. It may be that the very last thing that you say is perhaps the most important. With that in mind, you've got to look at the last words of Paul and say, where would you spend your last, your last ink? Now, arguably so, Paul didn't know that, that this would be his last letter. He did know these were his last days. He said, as we talked about last week, that the time of my departure is here. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. That's the last part of the ceremony of the offering. He said, my life, I've laid it on the altar of sacrifice for God all these years. And now it's, it's, it's like we're at the end of the sacrifice. God's about to take me home. He's in a dungeon. If you don't know where he is in Second Timothy writing this letter, he's in a dungeon. He's not on house arrest, which would be somewhat pleasant. He's not in even a maximum security prison. He's in a hole, folks. Uh, He's not in a pleasant situation. He apparently doesn't have a coat. He doesn't have his ink. He doesn't have his parchments uh, readily available like he might have on house arrest and other places. This this is the bottom for Paul. And it's the end of the line. And people are on his mind. People are on his mind. Some his friends. Some who have become enemies to him. But people are on his mind. Paul spent his life... Listen, if you want to know why I threw out the notes and what the gist of this morning is, Paul spent his life on people. For the glory of God, Paul spent his life on people. In your final days... In your final days, let me tell you, if you don't already know, what will be important to you. This always becomes a reality to me on the follow-up of funerals. I did a funeral for one of our church members just a couple days ago. And I looked out into the group of people and there's just this, this sobriety when we face death, isn't there? There's this sobriety when our health comes into question. There's this this focus on what is truly real and even bigger than what we focus on normally there's this there's this uh, maybe a um, an understanding of eternity in a way we don't normally understand eternity and I looked out of that funeral and and, and, and faces were focused they were they were sober uh, in the moments of life and death that happens maybe that's part of why I've come to this message this morning. So I'll tell you, at the end of your days, if you haven't already figured it out, people will be your focus. Relationships will be your focus. At your funeral, we won't gather all your earnings and accomplishments together in a room. I've never seen it. What we will attempt to gather are the people you've impacted in this life. Is that right? That's it. And we may speak of your accomplishments. We may, in your obituary, tell all the things that you've done in your life, all your achievements, all the rungs on the ladder you may have climbed. They may get mentioned. But no one will be moved to tears by your accomplishments or your achievements. They'll be moved to tears by the people, by the relationships. By the memories of perhaps how you have impacted their life. Now, maybe it comes through your achievements, maybe it comes through uh, your accomplishments, maybe you leverage your career and all that you're all that you're gifted and, uh, and able to do. Maybe you've leveraged that to impact people, and that will be remembered. But we won't gather your accomplishments and your achievements in front of your casket. We'll, a, we'll put a call out to all those who find appreciation in in what you gave your life to. We'll look for the people your life has impacted. Spend your life on people. That's, I think, the forest for the trees in these last words. Spend your life for the glory of God on people. John 15 says this, Greater love have no man, and that He lay down His life for His friends. You've heard that before. You know that it refers to Christ laying His life down for us. And then in dying for us, He calls us friends. That's an amazing truth. You may not know that He goes on to use that example as an analogy for how the church is to interact. As an analogy for how we as humans are to carry on. He was saying that to the disciples as an example for them. Greater love had no man than that he laid down his life for his friends, for other people, for other humans. Paul certainly did this, didn't he? He's in the bottom of a dungeon. And what we can surely say about him is that he laid his life down. He laid it down. He laid it down all the way to death. Is that your calling? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you go on. Maybe you continue to climb the corporate ladder. Maybe you continue to be successful in all these worldly ways. Maybe. Maybe death is not your laying it down. But understand, there is a laying it down in life that precedes your laying it down in your death. Paul would say in Romans 12, I beseech ye therefore, brethren. Essentially, he's begging them. Church, I'm begging you. Present your bodies, your life, your living, your walking around as living sacrifices it doesn't make sense a sacrifice goes on the altar and it's it's killed he says you give your life as if you are dead make your life a living sacrifice lay it down paul laid his life down for people i, I think i have to give you a warning <laughs> Because uh, it's all well and good to talk about building relationships and um, focusing your life no matter what you do, no matter what your career is, no matter what your focus in life is. It's all well and good to say say, bring it back around to people. Focus on humans. But I I think, to be fair, I have to give you a warning because it's not always a pleasant endeavor. If you think about Paul's words here, They're sobering words. He spent his life on people. And you hear him say, all have left me. I sent this guy on this mission. I sent this guy to this church. This guy loved the world more than he did the Lord. And he's gone. When I first got brought to trial, nobody stood in my defense. (laughs) Nobody, Nobody stood up with me. The man who spent his life on humans for the glory of God. Nobody stood. You get the idea that this guy is a failure, don't you? The truth is, he spent his life on people. That does not mean, that does not mean that it is without pain, that it is without hardship. Relationships aren't easy, they are time consuming. They are time consuming they are messy, they are inconvenient, they are disappointing, and they are very often painful. Nonetheless, we're to spend our life on those relationships for the glory of God. Philippians 1, Paul said this. He said, for me to live, it's Christ. In other words, it'll be Christ living out what He wants in my life. For me to live is Christ. For me to die would actually be gain. In other words, he said... (laughs) My preference would be to go ahead and be with God in glory forever and ever. Uh, to be done with this part of my eternity. But to live, to continue on in this ministry, it's Christ. Meaning it's the work of Christ. It's His doing in me. I'm going to let Him have priority in life. But then He went on to give a reason. Why, Why if, if to die would be gain, why would living the rest of this life out letting Christ live through you. Why would you do that? And he answers the question because it's an obvious question. Why would you want that then? Why would you continue? You know what his answer is? He says it's more beneficial for you. You. People. Paul spent his life on people. The most satisfied people in life, think about it, are those that spend their lives on others. They find that their investment is a sure one that pays sure dividends. You can invest your life in in all kinds of stuff, and it doesn't always pay off. You invest your life in humans, and there is always a reward, whether it's in this life or in the life to come. Paul spent his life wisely. For a moment, uh, do this. For a moment, forget about the kingdom even. Forget about Christ and His gospel. The best you can do in your life, the best you can do in your life is to build relationships, spiritual or not. That's the best investment you can make. How much more? How much more then is the joy for those that use their lives, their everyday living of this life out, their career, their talents, their gifts, their abilities, their families, how much more then is the joy for those who invest in relationships for the glory of the King? Now, that is not a grand point this morning. We could have dug in here and we could have looked into these people's lives and um, you could have walked away saying, man i didn't that that's amazing i didn't know i didn't understand that uh, what i'm telling you right here is probably not anything you don't know but why is it that we miss the obvious so often and we continue on and on and on week after week day after day spending our lives on ourselves on our gathering of accomplishments and achievements why why is it it, it seems when we say it out loud to just be foolishness doesn't it Maybe that's why Paul said over and over. It won't hurt me to say it again to you. You need the reminder. You heard me say before. Let me say to you again. We're humans. We need reminders of even the most obvious and basic things. Success as a church body. A local church body or the church body at large throughout history even. Success as a church comes, I would argue, in the building of relationships one by one. One by one. Real success right here at Cornerstone will be found in you doing, granted, the hard, difficult, often messy, inconvenient, time-consuming, and sometimes painful work of building a relationship with a guy or the lady next to you. The truth is that church isn't all that complicated. We we make it complicated with programs and organizations and property and buildings and, and structure and leadership and staff and we're up here and you're out there and but it really it really boils down to relationships, doesn't it? And that we're called to be in relationship to one another. You want us to see you want to see a real and successful viable church body focus each of us each of you on building relationships Is it easy? No. Is it without pain? No. Is it without mess and time and effort? No. It's not It's not especially for those of us who live in a even out here in the boondocks of Jackson County who live in a metro area like that of Atlanta, you're busy. You're busy. This summer, many of you have been jam packed. It's hard. I was telling somebody the other day that uh, we, we tried to start a ministry to help foster some of this and we thought, well, maybe we can give the church a way to to do just this very basic thing of building relationships more and more. We called it Bread Breakers, and we said we'll put a we'll put a calendar in the hall. And here's all you have to do: you just put your name out there. If you're willing for one other family in the church to come over, you make dinner and you guys eat together. There's something I don't know if you realize this. This is another sermon for another day, but there's something uh, God instituted, God ordained about sharing a meal together. You know that, right? Um, I think God has God has set it up in such a way where we can commune over over a good meal together and build relationship for the glory of God. And so we said, well, let, let, let's foster that. We, we put this program together called it Bread Breakers. We thought that was a cute name. We put the calendar out there. We said, all you have to do, uh, this is as user-friendly as we can make it. Let, let's make it convenient for you. You pick the day. You cook for one other family. Just put a blank under your name, and we'll all walk by, and we'll know you're making dinner, and we can come to your house, and we can get to know each other better. That That basic. And uh, I'll just be honest. We quit putting that. We quit putting that calendar out. It's hard for you. It's hard for us. It is. It is a sacrifice for you to focus on other humans. Do you know that? I'll confess it for us all. It would be. It would be, an inconvenience perhaps for you. It's easier just to worry about yourselves. For our kids, we, we look for ways to show them, don't we? We look for ways to show them that it's not just all about us. We have some friends who moved from Texas to <clears throat> Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, we had kind of a hectic week, busy week. I was in New Jersey to do that funeral and came back. And then uh, that was Friday and um haven't really got to catch up from when we went out of town and uh, laundry is piling up. We haven't been to the grocery store. Just basic things. Uh, but we we told our friends that, hey, if you move, we'll be here. We'll be there. We'll help you unload. We'll help you unpack. We'll be there. And uh, I'll just tell you, we didn't want to go. And, and I hope he's not listening to this tape. But we, in the end, we you know we were even like trying to feel him out by text, like, "Do you really still need this?" Maybe he had some, you know, a bunch of people come through. He's he's working at a church up there. Maybe he had a bunch of people come through from the church, and they were going to help him. And uh, so we sent him a text, and no, they're still excited for us to come. And and, and we wanted to see him, and 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 it's uh, it's a good thing. And so we went, and uh, we got there a little later than we planned on, and it took us like eight hours to get back because of uh, a traffic jam. But um, we were able to lay down with our kids at night and I was able to say to Grady, Grady, do you know why we did that? We we could have stayed here. We could have went roller skating, bowling. We could have just played around the house. We could have done whatever we wanted. Do you understand that that sometimes we do things because it's not just about us? The truth is it, it takes extra effort, church, to do just the most essential things that the gospel requires of us. To live as Christ means that that we take up our own cross and that we'll sacrifice some things because other humans need us to do that. And if you haven't already figured it out, in your last days, those people will be who you relish. We won't gather your things. when I stand over your casket one day and look out to see those who have gathered, you will be found to be poor no matter how much you have accumulated or achieved if your life has not been spent on people. And I can give you no greater encouragement towards joy, true joy in the Lord than that you spend your life on people for the glory of God, walking them, introducing them to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we we sometimes find that the, uh, the big picture is more important than the details itself. And in the simple understanding that we that we need each other and in the final evaluation those names that come up on our list will be what we cherish most so somehow lord somehow cause us to adjust our focus, adjust our course. Might it be said of us, as it was said of the Apostle Paul, that he lived as he loved the appearing of his Lord. That eternal focus, that higher vision, might we not be found like Demas in the list to have fallen into a love for the things of this world? Oh, Lord, use use us to impact men and women and children. Whatever we do, Lord, let it be clear that I'm not calling the men and women who sit here today. I'm not calling them to foreign missions. I'm not calling them to full-time pastoral ministry, I'm calling them to use their life in whatever way you have shaped it and formed it and gifted them. At whatever place you have employed them at whatever, at whatever point they find themselves in their career, in their, in their livelihood, at whatever place in life in general they find themselves, whether they are single, not sure what exactly they're going to do with the rest of their days, whether they're newly married and thinking about children, whether they're married and, and, they're in, and they're in the midst of the craziness of having young children, whether their children are grown and gone and now they're trying to figure out what do we do now, or whether uh, their children are grown and they are in uh, their, their golden years, tempted to relax and sit back and rock the last days of their life away. Lord, wherever you find them, whether you find them on a college campus, whether you find them on their front porch swing, birth in each of us a desire to be used wherever we are to impact human beings for the glory of the God who has created each and every one of us. So that one day, one day, when we, like Paul, face our death, We can do it with courage. We can look back over the the span of our life without regret. And we can step into eternity before our Creator with confidence that You might say, well done. Well done. And Lord, we'll stumble and we'll fall and we'll fight the system and we'll get selfish and we'll want to spend our days on us And we'll want to sit home on Sundays because we just do. And Lord, we'll want to make church and the people that are the church an addition to our life, an add-on to our life. When you've called for the body of Christ, our fellow believers, to be the natural center of the living out of our life in Christ. And so we're going to need your help, Lord. We're going to need your help not to not to be caught up in the things of this world. We're going to need your help not to be attracted to the glitz and the and the glamour and the bling of that which calls for our attention. But Lord, help us to know the truth. That uh, that when our days are done, all those things. They'll just go to a big garage sale. And what will remain are the people in the room who come to pay honor to a man or a woman who impacted their life in a small way or in a big way. Use us to impact this world. Use us as salt and light when it's easy and when it's hard. Use us for Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Love you, church. Enjoy the rest of your summer. We are dismissed. Have a great week.